This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 169, Troubleshooting the Dave Elman Induction. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here. And in this week's episode, it's all about giving you some real actionable strategies you can use actually inside of your hypnotic sessions. And for those of you that may not be familiar with the Dave Alman induction, I'd encourage you to actually pause the podcast recording right here and head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com where you can actually see a demonstration of the process. The short version of the history of it is that it's a process that can be done in a matter of three or four minutes, and it was developed by the mindset from Dave Ellman, who at the time was pioneering this technique, using something that we call pyramiding. How do we stack multiple hypnotic inductions, one on top of the other, as a means of actually providing several hypnotic experiences in a short amount of time to end at a desired result? So head over to the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com where you can see a video where I actually demo the actual process in a matter of three minutes time. Though assuming you already know the steps of it, though if you don't, here they are according to Larry Elman, who is Dave Elman's son. Step one is small muscle catalepsy, which classically is the relax the eyes so those muscles just won't work. Try to open, they just relax even further. Phase two is a brief deepening process, which just really allows a little bit of time distortion to set up for the third phase, which is fractionation, which is the action of the eyes opening and closing. Then from there, there is large muscle catalepsy, which is classically, again, the moment of the what we now call the floppy arm drop, that as I pick up this arm, let it dangle there, let it be loose, limp, and lazy, followed by what's now called the amnesia by suggestion, which classically is the lose the numbers segment. And then the final step is really the final step of nearly every method for hypnotic induction, which is that of continued deepening throughout the process. Though keep in mind that as a deepening technique within hypnosis, the simple action of giving hypnotic suggestions that are congruent for change that is a deepening strategy. So the action of just doing the work of hypnosis is a whole deepening technique, though take note that there are specific deepening strategies, of course. And on that note, I'd encourage you to head over to hypnoticworkers.com. What you're about to experience in terms of troubleshooting this process is a segment inside of Hypnotic Workers, which is the entire all-access pass to my hypnosis training library. We're talking inductions for the hypnotic process, techniques for change that you will not find anywhere else, multiple demonstrations of many of the change strategies, and the icing on the cake is that inside of Hypnotic Workers, you get access to real client sessions. And as a side note, I'm very much a stream of consciousness in the moment deal with what emerges style hypnotic practitioner. So it's really not in my position to say, here's my stop smoking protocol, because it's always customized to the individual. Though, as a side note, the people inside of Hypnotic Workers often watch either the Stop Smoking with JD or Stop Smoking with Shelly videos. And uh, quick side note, everything inside of Hypnotic Workers has been transcribed for you. And again, while it's not meant to be a script, many people keep using those transcripts and people are quitting smoking using those session transcripts. 
So check that out. That's pretty awesome. So there's more than 100 hours of content from hypnotic strategies to NLP interventions, and you're able to get access to all of it for just $47. Head over to hypnoticworkers.com. You can get access instantly right away. Check it out. And with that in mind, let's jump directly into this real world content. This is session number 169, Troubleshooting the Dave Elman Induction. So first things first, as I feel the need to say this with this week's session, portions of this program are hypnotic in nature and should only be listened to when you're in a place where it's appropriate to follow the instructions of a hypnotic method. So that aside, let's jump directly in. Uh, as a quick side note, I'd share the favorite feedback that I've ever received from my live trainings, which I, I share this criticism with a badge of honor. That many, many years ago, I had someone say to me that, you know, when we attended your course, you made us practice with other people. I attended this course with my with my husband, with my wife. We'll generalize the story for obvious purposes. And the feedback was we had hoped that we could only practice with each other rather than practice with a bunch of strangers. And this was the criticism of my class. And I smiled as big as I could. And I said, thank you because that's amazing feedback. So it's inside of a hypnosis training that, you know, looking at the perspective that yes, you are working with a bunch of other students who have been going in and out of hypnosis. We can refer to that as fractionation, which is that rising and falling of energy. And to receive the criticism that we, uh, we only practice with people who are primed for the process, you're welcome. And I share with you a bit of a mindset here that I share with many others too, that from my model of the world, there are no resistant clients. Instead, there are only inflexible practitioners. So to be working with a student in class who is doing the process exactly as it's supposed to go, I got to tell you, that's really how the process goes in my office. And this is coming from someone that the actual brand of Hip Virginia Hypnosis is right now just about to turn 10 years old. I've seen well over 2,000 clients in very often multiple session formats. And this induction, the Dave Elman induction, is kind of the core of what I do. And I would share a quick anecdote here, uh, which is really meant to just refine down the strength of the original process that there are some who have taken this method and maybe changed around a few steps and branded it as their own. And what you're about to hear reference to really is back to the original. Uh, thanks to the friendship of Larry and Cheryl Elman, Larry being the son of Dave Elman and also the young boy attending his father's course along with all the doctors. You know, my approach to this process is really, except for a few nuances, not that original on purpose because this is a methodology that so often the reason it wouldn't work is that people keep adding extra steps to it that dilute how good the process is so here's the student of mine who one time in a forum online referred to i was doing the lynette elman induction and i had to chime in and go don't you dare call it that ever again <laughs> because simply put it's the sanding down to the original elements that's what made it work and so often some of the improvements upon it actually, again, make it less effective. So, yes, while this is a session that's all about troubleshooting the process, you'll see that I have to point out some of the nuances of just simply how I do it. That way we don't have to use the troubleshooting steps. So let's jump directly into this. And in the first phase, 
It's the small muscle catalepsy, the uh, relax the eyelids so they just won't work. I would share with you the anecdote that I brought this up. I recently hosted a stage hypnosis training retreat. I was down in the Virginia Beach area. We had several stage hypnosis programs booked, and with permission of the schools, I turned this into a destination training event. Uh, brought along uh, 10 people to stay with me at a beach property, uh, beachfront access, and a big house, rented a 12-passenger van, and uh, extended this as a training. And the first night, the, the pitch to the students was that I did a different stage induction every single night in a different style of show so they could see the texture of how the programs can take shape and the not for bragging rights but the first night was doing a modified group dave elman induction that i pointed out i'm going to bring up about 20 people and i'm going to go for the eye muscle moment and everyone's eyes are going to be closed and part of that comes down to preventing the need for the troubleshooting that so often in that first phase to say it politely, I am pummeling away every metaphor possible to make absolute sure those eyelids just don't open. And as I mentioned in the disclaimer, portions of this are hypnotic in nature. Uh, and you'll see what I mean by this, because my phrasing to get into the eye muscle catalepsy moment is simply go ahead and relax your eyelids all the way down to the place where those muscles just won't work as if they can become so relaxed that they just don't want to work, as if they can power off like a TV, as if they could shut down like a computer, so that even if you were to try to open, they just relax even further down, kind of like checking a door that's locked to make sure it's still locked. And as you know that you've made them that good and relaxed, just simply test them and satisfy yourself. You can make them just not work. Give them a try, they just relax. Give them a try, they just relax and quit testing, relax, and go deeper. So a couple of nuances inside of there. First of all, in terms of the tonality, I'm de-emphasizing the result that I don't want and emphasizing the result that I do want. Try to open and they just relax even further. Go ahead, try to open and they just relax even further. Also, at the same time, I am pummeling away every single metaphor possible to compound the idea that even if you try to open those eyelids, they just won't open. And uh, credit to James Hazelrig down in Texas for the phrasing, beautiful phrasing of uh, as if like checking a door that's locked to make sure it's still locked. And I'd share with you if I'm doing a group induction that is my go-to language. I'm going to use everything possible. I'm going to throw everything into the method to guarantee it's going to work. Though inside of that, if I am working with a client one-to-one -one and I have some concern, I'm going to follow suit with similar language. Not always, but if, again, I have some concern, I can go in that specific direction. And by doing so, I've really negated most of the troubleshooting methodologies because it just works by doing it in that format. Though, because this is session number 169, troubleshooting the Dave Elman induction, here are some troubleshooting methods. Uh, the one that I tend to go by is a bit of a classic. Uh, the, the phrasing that you'd always want to use is good, pause there, you're doing great. So you never scold, you never reprimand the client. I'm always going to step into the mindset that I did not phrase it in a way that's optimal for you to understand. Therefore, it's my responsibility to phrase it in another way. So back to NLP, the meaning of the communication is the response that it gets, and whoever is the most flexible in their communication drives the communication. Therefore, it's not your fault that you didn't follow the instructions exactly. 
it's my fault, therefore it's my job to modify. While this may not be absolutely true, if you work from the presuppositions that they're true, you become a whole lot more effective. So test the eyelids that just won't work. They open the eyes and you just simply say, good, and let the eyelids close back on down and pause there. You're doing great because that time you tested the eyelids to make sure they will work. We'll do that again, and this time notice what's different, which is a beautiful phrase. You can give the same instructions again and get a different result. We'll do that again, and this time notice what's different. So we'll do that again, this time notice what's different as you tested those eyelids to see that they will work. This time, test them and prove to yourself you can make them not work. So the more that you relax them, you can experience the sensation that you can make them so relaxed that they just will not open. Not because I say so, but because you wrap your mind around this new idea, uh, new idea that you let it happen. So go ahead now as you relax them, notice that you can make them so relaxed that they just won't work. Try. That's right. And they relax even further down. So a few nuances inside of that. I am in the second pass putting so much emphasis on the word you that it's not that uh, it's not that I am the almighty hypnotist and I command thee to not open thine eyes. No, it's that I'm putting all the ownership on you that really I'm a guy who can give you the right instructions and you're the one who can make these things happen which for the magic fans out there, that is a paraphrase directly from the language that the the magicians Penn and Teller use. We're just a couple of guys who know how to do some really cool things. And that's really the mindset that I often am bringing into hypnosis, that I'm the guy who knows how to put the right words in the right order, and it's your mind, it's your body that know how to make this happen. And just to be open, that is my go-to strategy for the eye muscle catalepsy, and that works for me. Uh, to mention another one, there is the strategy of having them close their eyes and roll the eyeballs up and imagine looking at a spot on the ceiling through the top of their head. And if you do that, the eyelids just won't open. It's a physiological stunt. And quite openly, I don't like using that one because they can reproduce it. I'd rather get the result by way of hypnotic suggestion. And what I've just shared with you is my go-to strategy and it just works. So the second phase is the brief deepening, which would be the quit testing, send that relaxation all the way down across your body and simply go much deeper. And there's really nothing to go wrong in that second phase. So let's now move on to the third, which is the fractionation. Let the eyes open, let the eyes close, go even deeper, which we do three times in the classic Dave Elman induction for a highly scientific reason. Four is too many and two is not enough. Yeah. It's often as simple as that, though in the Mike Mandel school of thought, he does it six times and it really works for him in that format. I stick with the classic of doing it three times, though definitely check out the work of Mike Mandel because we help people. So in the phrasing of the fractionation, uh, classically, you're giving the instructions in the first pass to relax as much as 10 times deeper and then double that relaxation on the second pass and on the third one, just relax and go even deeper. And for the full description of that, you can actually see the description inside of my hypnotic workers program, though for right now, we're talking about what could go wrong. So first things first, what could go wrong with the fractionation? Well, you may find that their eyelids just don't open. And here's one of my catchphrases, which is that don't do sloppy work and try to claim it as profound hypnotic phenomenon. Don't screw up and try to claim it as a success. 
we should be working with intention rather than by accident as effective modern day hypnotic practitioners. So if they don't open their eyes, a person may be holding on to the idea that, wow, they are so deep, they're still holding on to the phenomenon of the eye muscle catalepsy. I must be a damn good hypnotist. But the truth is, you don't know that yet. You might just have a non-compliant client. So you want to actually run the fractionation process. And as a side note, in my opinion, I think the most powerful hypnotic deepening methods are fractionation uh, and put up right there with any bit of kinesthetic deepening. So some sort of shoulder press when they're breathing outwards with the eyelids closed during the hypnotic process. These are just my go-to strategies for hypnotic deepening and oh man, they work. So if the eyelids don't open in this fractionation process, you don't necessarily know if you really have profound phenomenon or if they just didn't understand your instructions. So chances are, to be fair, it's likely the first example, which is that the reason why that second pass is there of the brief deepening, though this becomes a beautiful moment that you can just simply coach the process. In my model of the world of hypnosis, the phrasing is that compliance precedes suggestibility. I need you following instructions before the process can lead into hypnotic suggestions. And this is a similar premise that uh, Anthony Jackwin hit upon inside of his great book, Reality is Plastic. So instructions versus suggestions. Mine is My version of this is compliance precedes suggestibility. We need to get in sync and in rapport with instructions before we can ever lead to hypnotic suggestions. So you might not just not be following instructions. So again, I can coach the process from a very verbal, conscious mind perspective. Yes, yeah, sometimes it takes a little bit of effort. Go ahead, you can do it. Go ahead and try. It might take a little bit of effort. Let the eyelids open, let the eyelids open. There you go. And notice now as they close, you can relax as much as 10 times deeper. That's right, you're doing great. So embracing the fact that some of that, uh, one of my newer catchphrases, that hypnotic phenomenon is sticky. So once they're inside of it, we can keep compounding it. And that may be the situation here, but then again, it might not be. So this is why it's important to actually run through the process of the actual fractionation, which again, verbally coach the process, and that's going to get it in motion. And really, this is one of the uh, two things that can go wrong inside of the fractionation, the second one being that perhaps they open the eyelids prematurely. And if you're in the middle of this fractionation process and the client opens their eyes a little too early, congratulations, it's your fault. And here's what I mean by that. And having now taught this to several hundred people, if not thousands within my online programs and the feedback from people interacting with this process, chatting with the Elmans about their thinking on the process too, from my perspective and my experience, what's often happening is that you are giving your client an inadvertent pause, and in that pause, they think, I'm supposed to do something here. Listen carefully, and you hear what I mean by this. Here's the way that it would often play out, and inside of this, this is where the client may think, oh, am I supposed to do something here? In a moment, we'll have you let your eyes open and close. And when they close, notice that you can go 10 times deeper. And there was even just the slightest pause in that. Let me really, really lean into it this time. In a moment, we'll have you let your eyelids open and close back down. And when they close down this first time, notice you can relax as much as 10 times deeper. 
And what you heard inside of that was a bit of an extended pause, as if looking for the next words. And in that moment, the client might hear that pause and think, oh, am I supposed to do this here? Which is not necessarily their fault. It's that you gave them a silence that you didn't pre-frame. So it's not for the sake of do it faster. It's for the sake of remove the extraneous air. Because here it is in my current delivery of, in a moment, we'll have you let your eyelids open and close back down. And when they open and close back down this time, notice you can relax as much as 10 times deeper. Go ahead, let the eyelids open and let the eyelids close back down and just go much deeper down. That's right. You're doing great. So what I did there, notice that I wasn't speeding through it. I wasn't rushing it in any way. Yet I cut the extraneous air out. I just kept the pattern going. I kept the rhythm of the pattern going in such a way that there was no inadvertent pause. So this really negates the issue of the eyelids opening too early because you're keeping the momentum in place. So whether it's the eyelids not opening or the eyelids opening too early, there are two workable strategies and mindsets to prevent that issue. So now we're into the fourth phase as it's often taught, which is the large muscle catalepsy, which again, classically is the floppy arm drop, yet it doesn't have to be a floppy arm drop, but that's the way that I tend to do it. You could do the large muscle catalepsy as a bit of hypnotic phenomenon, which is the making the arm stiff and rigid, or hey, even the feet, the legs, those are large muscle groups, though let's stick with the classic for this week's uh, unpacking of the troubleshooting. So, in a moment, I'll reach over and I'll pick up that right arm. Today, let me do all the work. When I pick it up, just let it dangle there like a soaking wet dish rag. Just let it be heavy like a slab of marble or granite. I'll pick it up. We'll let it fall. As it falls, just let it plop much deeper down. And whenever I do that, notice it can take you much, much deeper relaxed. As I pick up that arm, that's right. Just let it dangle there. And as it falls, just let it plop deeper, relaxed. In fact, anytime I pick up that hand and drop it, notice it can take you much, much deeper down. That's right. Good. You're doing great. So before we go into the actual troubleshooting, I have to point out a few nuances of the language that I use in the Dave Elman induction, which no, 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 this is not the Lynette Elman induction. This is just a sanding down to the essentials. Uh, I'm a big fan of the phrase, don't give, there's a there's a uh, exception to this rule. Don't give unintentional embedded commands. So notice that I never use the phrase that don't help me because if I don't want you to help me, I don't want to give you the embedded command of help me. So instead, I'm always going to talk about the result that I do want rather than the result that I don't want. Let the arm be heavy. Let it dangle there like a wet towel. You know, I'm talking about the result that's supposed to happen. Now, one of the catchphrases in my live trainings is that hypnotic suggestions are not just words. They're actions, they're sounds, and they're sensations. So there's a sound effect that I give in the delivery of the Dave Alman induction, which actually does negate most of the troubleshooting you're about to hear about, which is that I give the sound effect of a plop. Yeah, how's that for a bit of instruction? So as I pick up that arm, we'll let it fall. As it falls, just let it plop right back down to the arm of that chair or on your lap. And whenever we do that, notice it takes you much deeper. And by giving the sound effect of the plop as a bit of an accent mark, either on my leg or the arm of my chair in my office, it's telegraphing the weight of that arm. And I've actually found by giving that sound effect in that moment, as we let it fall, just let it plop deeper, relaxed. 
what I'm about to share with you, I will openly tell you I only use maybe once every other month. It is extremely rare for me to have to troubleshoot the process. It's the mindset from business of sales 101, satisfy objections before they arise. So I am negating the need for the troubleshooting in advance by telegraphing the hypnotic sound effect of the plop, thus making it so I don't have to do what we're about to do. So with that in motion, I don't really have to use what I'm about to mention, though if I need to, well, here you are. So the floppy arm drop, again, assuming that you've gotten verbal permission to physically interact with your client's arm throughout the process. So inside of this, if I go to pick up that arm and they're helping me, I can say, and yes, I really will do this sometimes depending on the rapport with the client. Okay, good. Do you feel how you're helping me out? Yeah. Stop it. Thank you, Bob Newhart. Just stop it. Just let that arm be heavy. Just let it dangle there. That's right. Just let it be heavy. That's right. Good. And oftentimes just by playfully poking fun and being playful with the client, that gets the result, though the go-to strategy, if I have to troubleshoot it, and yes, this is a bit of a visual description, but I can get into the verbals of it in terms of this podcast format, is I want you to actually do this for yourself. Lay your arm down on your leg or the arm of the chair or on a table and kind of at the base of the palm, not quite the wrist, but just slightly above the wrist, I'm reaching over and my phrasing is just let that arm be heavy. In fact, I'm just going to bounce it a couple of times. And when I say bounce it, I'm reaching over and just at the base of the palm with my middle finger and thumb on one each side, I'm just kind of bouncing the palm of that hand. And I'm doing what I now refer to as several test pickups. So I'm not quite picking up the arm fully. Instead, I'm just kind of bouncing the palm of the hand up off the chair, whatever surface they're on. Maybe, I mean, like a quarter to a half of an inch, not much. What I'm basically now doing is I'm bouncing the, the heavier part of the palm several times in such a way that they can't telegraph the exact moment that then I'm going to pick up the arm. So it's like maybe 10 or 12 test pickup bounces in a rapid amount of time until I'm bouncing, 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 and then just pick up because now they're not expecting, they're not telegraphing the moment that I'm going to pick up that hand, which at this point now, that thing is relaxed. And just plop, let it go much, much deeper down. So that playfully uh, making fun moment of going, do you feel how you're helping me out? Yeah, stop it. Thank you, Bob Newhart, once again. Uh, and if you haven't seen the video I'm referring to, we'll link the classic Bob Newhart uh, Stop It sketch from uh, Mad TV in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis attached to this session. So the test pickup strategy, that is my go-to. So in these final moments, we get to what's often referred to as the moment of truth, the amnesia by suggestion, the losing of the numbers moment, which... I'll leave it to you whether it is truly creating a moment of hypnotic somnambulism, which is just a deep workable level of hypnosis, whether it's creating an extremely compliant client. Either way, it gets us to a good workable strategy, a good workable place inside of the hypnotic process. So again, with full disclosure, I have to mention how I do the losing the numbers moment because uh, this actually does negate most of the troubleshooting process. So this becomes a moment in the process that so many people have added extra steps to in order to try to make it work better. And in my honest opinion, by trying to improve it by adding extra steps, they've actually diluted the process and made it less effective has been my finding. So 
here's what I do inside of this. First of all, you don't want to keep pummeling away the word number because they're about to lose it. So don't keep reminding someone something that you want them to forget about. So here is my exact phrasing uh, and exact delivery too, because again, hypnotic suggestions are not just words. It's also tonality, actions, and experiences. So in a moment, we'll have you begin to count slowly, backwards, out loud, from 100. And with every number that you say, notice that you can double that mental relaxation. So by the time you reach 98, or maybe even sooner, you can just relax the rest of the matter of your mind as if there's just nothing left to count. Want that to happen? And you can make that happen because as they are gone, just notice how good you feel. As you can begin slowly, backwards, out loud, from 100 now. And we'll play the call and response here of 100. Now, good. Now, double that mental relaxation. 99. That's right. Just getting ready to let them all go. 98. And now just relax the rest of them away. And as they're gone, just nod your head. That's right. And just continue to go even deeper down as I continue this podcast recording. So (laughs) come on back. Here's some thinking on it. First of all, I am creating a bit of a rhythm shift When I get into this segment, I am slowing my pace down, yet keeping the rhythm going, because by slowing down my tonality, I am delivering an indirect hypnotic suggestion to you that this is about the rhythm that you're going to count. So the troubleshooting moment that may be there is the person suddenly takes off running 100, 99, 98, 97. I got to tell you, since I've really master the tonality shift inside of this segment, the rhythm shift, I cannot think of a time in like maybe five or six years that I've had to correct the rhythm, quite honestly. Just by slowing down my rhythm, slowing down my pace, I've really negated the need of having to troubleshoot that specific process. I'm getting into a bit of a cadence. I'm getting into a bit of a rhythm, which is indirectly telegraphing, this is the rhythm that you're going to now count. So the process of the client maybe taking off too early has also been negated because again, I'm keeping the momentum of my, of my speech. This is the same dialogue back to the fractionation moment. And quite openly, it's maybe rough numbers, accepting the fact that 43% of statistics are made up on the spot. Wait for it. There it is. Uh, But accepting that statistic, I can tell you that maybe only 5 to 10% of my clients do I have to do any troubleshooting beyond the number 98 because I am using a bit of a tonality trick to suggest the finality of the counting, which if you listen again, I'll do both parts because it's just me here recording right now. The client says 100. I go, that's right. Now double that mental relaxation, rising inflection as if a sentence is continuing. They say 99. I say, that's right. Just getting ready to let them go. My tonality goes up at the end. They say 98. I start at the top of the tonality and then I bring it down like I'm finishing a run-on sentence. 98. That's right. Good. Now just relax the rest of them away. And my tonality goes up. My tonality goes up. My tonality goes down as if I'm finishing a sentence. Indirectly suggesting the finality of the counting. And by doing it in that format, I'm telling you, That's just the way it goes for me the majority of the time. So that tonality trick is what really takes care of that for me. So beyond that, what I'd mention is that for the troubleshooting, 
no one gets past 94 in my office. With the rare exception that I hear that they're trailing away as they're counting. Maybe it sounds like this. 97. 96. 95. 94. 93. And I can hear that it's trailing away. In that case, I I let it go because... At that point, at that rhythm, at that pacing, they're going to let him go around 92, 91, and bingo, we got what we need. So with that exception, no one gets past 94. Sometimes we just need a few more uh, suggestions to pepper inside of it. 97, that's right, just relaxing them all away. 96, just let them become quieter in your mind. 95, releasing, relaxing, just let go. And we may have it at that point. If they take off and there is no tonality change from each number to the other, I'm letting my suggestions become rather artfully vague, intentionally vague, that I'm not saying, see the numbers fading away in your mind's eye, because that's extremely visual. Instead, so it's just relaxing, releasing, letting go. You know, phrases that are intentionally vague and not specific to the auditory, the visual, the kinesthetic. I'm cautious around, that's right, pushing them out of your mind because that may not be a kinesthetic. Letting them fade and fall away, that's a rather vague bit of language, which allows them to fit it in their own sensory representations. So really it comes down to, again, taking charge of the process. I really want the moment to happen organically, but if I have to become appropriately and politely authoritative to make it happen, that's what you're about to hear. So let them become quieter in your mind, letting them fade and fall away. And if they hit 94... It's my show, and I'm going to take charge of the moment. 94, and good, pause there, you're doing great, because as I pick up that hand, take all those remaining bits and pieces, and it's the hand falls now, just make them go. That's right, make them gone. Become pause, pause, pause. And as they're gone, nod your head. That's right. Continue to relax and go even deeper. Notice that I'm not ifing them, I'm asing them. And as they're gone, nod your head. So rather than wait for the moment to happen, I completely direct it in the troubleshooting moment and then continue deepening from there. So again, if you've ever had the experience where someone says, oh, they kept counting all the way down to one or 20, I don't let that go past 94 with the exception of, again, if they're naturally trailing off. So it's, again, the ability to take charge of the moment rather than wait for it to happen. I simply make it happen. Rewind this podcast session back and listen to that tonality trick, which I just simply refer to as a run-on sentence that finally ends. Getting ready to let them go, relaxing them away more and more, and now just relax them out of your mind. With that strategy, I have rarely had to troubleshoot this. So even though in the course of this podcast session this week, I've been giving you the troubleshooting methods, full disclosure, I very rarely have to use them because it's always from the mindset in my work of how do I make that work even better. So put this into motion. Again, you can head over to the Work Smart Hypnosis website and look up the show notes with this, and you can see the three-minute demo of the Dave Alman induction. And while this was a training module specifically about troubleshooting it, you've kind of learned it in the work as well. And this is all detailed inside of Hypnotic Workers too. Though put this to work. Let me know your feedback on it. And uh, we'll link over in the show notes too. There's a video that I have on YouTube, which is actually me explaining the process in terms of how to modify this 
if you're not in the same room with the client, if you're doing it via Skype. So head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. We'll link to the uh, using the Dave Elman induction via Skype there as well. So put this to work, put it to use. Let me know how it goes. Hey there, Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program. Thank you so much for leaving your reviews on iTunes, on the various podcasting mediums on YouTube and sharing it on your social media streams as well. Once again, if you enjoyed this session, you can get even more by heading over to hypnoticworkers.com. That is the all access pass to my hypnosis training library from methods of hypnotic induction, such as this one, many others. Some group inductions are going to be added there shortly. And this is an ongoing library. It's a library that keeps growing. So I mentioned that stage hypnosis training, there's a bit of a unique stage hypnosis induction that I've been using in recent years that I filmed the training of. And also we're going to pull the video clip from one of the shows so you can actually see that stage hypnosis induction, which Hey, even if you don't have an interest in doing stage hypnosis, you can use this induction inside of group sessions, inside of workshops, and uh, towards the middle part of July, that's when we're going to be adding that module with that group induction, that five-part uh, group induction. So check that out. It's an ongoing library. We just added a brand new module unpacking some unique work on the NLP six-step reframe. So this is why it's an ongoing library with a private Facebook community to get your questions answers to get the support you need to really, really help your clients. Check that out. Get instant access over at hypnoticworkers.com. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 